Arsenal Ozil. Marca Mesut Ozil. Corner. Llegó el gol de Olivier Giroud. Marca el Arsenal. Marca Olivier Giroud. Gol de los Gunners. This is Arscast Extra. Hello there, welcome to another Arscast Extra, as always, with James from Gunnar Blog. Goodly morning to you. Goodly morning to you. How are you doing this uh, morning? I'm okay. I'm okay. Good. How are you, you know, uh, behind that great big wall? <laughs> I'm actually okay. I, I'd like to thank all the listeners who've got in touch this week with various diagnoses of what occurred to me. Some fascinating theories. Oh yeah, like um, what? Like what? Well, um... A lot of a lot of people saying they had had that experience with sunstroke that it had translated into such spectacular eruptions. Okay. Um, some people suggesting altitude sickness, which <laughs> I was intrigued by until I looked up how high you need to be for altitude sickness to kick in. Um, I don't think that me effectively climbing a big hill is going to have done that. No. Um, uh, allergy to Scotland was another theory. Um, that the midges were carrying some sort of evil disease. Basically, I mean, there's a lot of, you know, house-like doctors out there. Oh, so basically, their... yeah, you've got lupus, is that it? Yeah, it seems that way, it seems that way. But all of these emails, well, not all, most of these emails were very touching in the care that they took for my well-being. Um, but yes, I, I've been unusually good this week, okay. so well, that... something must be around the corner. Excellent. Well, that's good to hear. That's good to hear. I mean, I think you need to space out these disasters as much as you possibly can, rather than, you know, have them well, week after week. I mean, you, you need to change... That's a good content strategy, if nothing else, <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, eventually, I think your luck would run out. That's where that's where my, my fear is. Ah, I see. You see? The nine lives would sort of uh, disappear. Yeah, you Maybe. Must... <laughs> maybe. But, I mean, I think while the summer's on, and, you know, there's no Arsenal, really, to talk about... Yeah. It's fine for more bad things to happen to me. We do need to fill this podcast at the end of the day. Yes, that is very true. That is very true. Um, so, what about yourself? What's, what's been going on this weekend? Not much. Not much, really. Just been sort of looking on at what's happening over in Britain with kind of wide-eyed oh, horror. Of course. I mean, that happened. I mean, I know that's not my misfortune, obviously. No. But then, you know, I presume 52% of... People in this country, you know, they didn't feel the same necessarily as me about what unfolded. But I, uh, yeah, without without wanting to go too political, it, it was I was definitely disappointed. I had a party on Friday night um, to commemorate my birthday of the week before. Well, you're really and, dragging this out. You're like the queen with two birthdays. Well, I am. I am. I, I've tried to make it a sort of month long festival. To be honest with you, <laughs> enthusiasm has waned, especially after you know I operate in in I live in London, and London you know was a, a majority Remain vote for the yeah. for the EU, and um, yeah, there was it was a it was a gloomy atmosphere. I sort of had these sort of dark visions of filling my party with loads of European flags and a big banner saying Remain. We did it. Like I'd got it wrong, but um, yeah, yeah, <laughs> it was there was a sort of strange somber. Somber mood, but there you go. I mean, uh, I don't know. We're still in. We're still in the Euros. We're still in the European Championships, at least. So. Yeah. Oh, well, you might, we might not be by the time you listen to this. England play Iceland. That's right. This, this evening. evening. Yes, this evening. We'll see. We'll see. I find it very strange. I have to say. I know that the, the there's been some post-vote regret. Um, yes, certain, I've seen some of those certain quarters. I don't know. I mean, for me, it's. I find it very strange because I don't have a great sense of. 
of like nationalism. You know, I'm I'm Irish, but I was born in England. My parents were Irish, and I lived in England for the first 10 years of my life. And I do wonder if that sort of, you know, the way some people are really like, I love my country so much. I yeah. love it. It's everything to me. And then, you know, you kind of realize it's actually just an accident of birth. You have no control over where you're born. And mm. I think, you know, patriotism and all those kind of things, you get behind your your football team and all those, you know, it's, I understand it to a certain extent. But, you know, having having lived in England, having lived in Ireland, having lived in Spain, uh, being an Irish man who started a website in Spain about an English football team that I support, you know, I feel quite, I feel European. You are a citizen of Europe. Absolutely. Much, so. Absolutely. And uh, I don't know, I just think it was an awful shame that some of the lies and the the propaganda that they immediately rode back on in the wake of the uh, the, the result uh, seemed to be what, what drove people to make their decision. Uh, certainly yeah. not all the people, but certainly a lot of people were swayed in, in that way. And uh, some of the reports this weekend, are they are quite frightening and scary that the rise in racist incidents since this has taken place, whether it's all anecdotal or not, uh, there seems to be a, a fair amount of coverage of it. And I think that's a real shame because when you think about, certainly for me, when I think about England, when I think about London, you know, it's very different from Dublin. Uh, Dublin is sort of caught up over the years in terms of uh, the the new cultures that we have here. But, you know, I can remember one of the first times I ever went to London and just being amazed by how multicultural it was, uh, what a brilliant city it was, people from all all over the world, a genuine melting pot. Uh, and nothing really says multiculturalism to me like like London and the, and the people that live there, and, and by extension, of course, Britain. And uh, I don't know, I find it very, very sad that um, there's been this division mm. between, you know, at a time where people should be coming together more, where we should be um, embracing the fact that this is not just... You know, you don't live in a walled garden anymore. Anymore, the world is a big place, and we're all connected. We're all able to connect with each other much more uh, quickly and efficiently uh, than we ever were in the past. Whether that's through technology or through transport and all those things, I don't know. I just don't quite. I don't understand it really. So it's a bit of a yeah. I do think it's a shame. It does feel separatist. I mean, I'm not someone with a huge nationalistic streak like you. I'll sort of back. Mm. I'll back my country in the in the tournaments and what have you. But I. uh, yeah, I, I've I've got family in Europe. You know what I mean. I've got family in Spain. Yeah, I yeah, I've always enjoyed that thing of being part. You know, I've, at the top of my passport it says European Union, and I'm, I've always been pretty happy about that. Yeah, um, it'll be interesting to see what happens. I mean, there's a lot of talk. Maybe it's again just because of my mm. liberal London bubble, but there's a lot of talk about what will actually come to pass. You know, will the referendum actually yeah be followed through? So it's going to be interesting. Uh, Interesting couple of years. Yeah, we'll see. it will be. I, you know, I think when you think about the opportunities that you know that I have and that you've had, you know, to be able mm. to travel freely throughout Europe, to go and work in any European country, and the opportunities that that affords you as a young person, I think people have have kind of forgotten that and what it might mean for the generations that are that are coming up in, in Britain. Um, so hopefully, I don't know. It's uh, it's a strange one, isn't it? It feels like referendums are strange. Yeah. I feel like it's, a, it's a, the one thing I can't get over is like that. You just need it needs to be decided by one vote, and so you could have a result where you've got fifty yeah. percent of the country unhappy. I feel like you should need to get to like seventy five percent or something. Do you know what I mean? Before we can put it through. But yeah, that kind of makes sense. But again, you know, people will say, "Well, that's democracy. It's the will yeah. of the people. The people have spoken." But you know, not all the people speak, and um, 
That's yeah, it. Like not everyone saying. votes. Yeah, yeah, not everyone votes. So it's it's a, a small minority of a minority, perhaps, uh, who who voted this through or voted other re- uh, referenda through. So anyway, we'll see. We'll see. Um, the consequences, James, for football though might might be might be very interesting. Well, not interesting. I think that now, could be if it goes through. Right? If it actually goes through. And there is, uh, you know, the the work permit situation comes into play for European players. You know, you look at the guys that we've brought through at the age of 16, 17, Cesc Fabregas, uh, Hector Bellerin in the current squad, for example. I mean, that freedom of movement that's afforded to all of us as Europeans is also afforded to footballers. Um, but that would be gone. And I think it would be, I think it would be really bad for English football clubs, um, for the Premier League, because what what is the Premier League built on is being able to attract a lot of the best talent from Europe. Not always the best, because you've got the big clubs in uh, Spain, and uh, you know they can they can uh, splash their cash a little bit. But um, the pool of players that will be available to English clubs will be much smaller. Well, does this explain the decision to keep Theo Walcott or indeed pursue Jamie Vardy? We've got to stockpile Englishmen. Mm. Um, Arson saw this coming. He's a, a shrewd man. Now, I don't know. I, I think I can't imagine whatever they negotiate, surely uh, surely this would be an element considered in it. I mean, it's interesting. John Barnes, did you see all this stuff with John Barnes? Because he was quoted saying that it would be good for the England football team mm. if, if Brexit happened. And then he had to come out and do an interview saying, even though he, he believes that, uh, that he would be voting Remain. Yeah. I uh, I don't think it would be good. I sort of am inclined to agree with you. I think the strength of the Premier League is so much contingent on those foreign stars. And if you know, if we got down to a situation like we had in what was it, the mid nineties, where was it two or three? Yeah, three foreign players. Yeah, three foreign players allowed in the squad. I mean, maybe in the long run it would be good for the academy systems and the English players would develop through. But I think at the moment you have got a system where the cream ultimately does rise to the crop and. You know, people say Roy Hodgson doesn't have a huge pool to choose from, but I still think he's got a talented squad. And what's certain is that the players who do get there, you know, are, are of a, a certain quality. Mm. Um, and, and the strength of the league is is the bigger thing. And obviously, this podcast goes out all over the world, and Arsenal fans all over the world will care yeah. more about the strength of that club and the strength of that league than they will the England national team. So, of course, yeah, I, I, I would, uh, but I would imagine, I would imagine that even if. Uh, as it as looks the case, uh, the UK does leave the EU. I wonder how different it will truly be. I wonder if they'll negotiate a, some sort of weird deal whereby things feel somewhat similar. But why? Um, I mean, just playing devil's advocate, why would football get special treatment when, you know, if let's say football gets uh, special treatment, okay, you're a top class footballer, we're going to allow football free movement of footballers. So what if you're a guy who runs an IT company and you want? Uh, you want to be able to choose staff from from all over Europe the way you were before. I mean, your yeah. business is surely as important as anybody else's business. So I think you know if it, if it happens, I don't know how there could be an exception for football. I don't, you know, I know I it's a multi million. I know there are vested interests and probably lobby groups, and you know, people will will talk about it. You know, I think the consequences if it goes through for the Premier League and for English football clubs are really, really bad. Because when you have a smaller pool of players to choose from, even if you're going to be able to choose from more local players, I don't know that that makes up the shortfall. I mean, already Spanish clubs can take the best players, the best young players from South America mm. because of the, the, the relaxed work permit um, uh, rules there. Uh, as it is, we can choose 
young players from any European country, and that gives us a wide pool of talent to choose from. But if all of a sudden that's restricted, if it's limited, then you know what the fuck? It's gonna it's gonna be bad for for English football clubs. It's gonna be bad for the Premier League. If you don't get the top talent in Europe, the money that's in the Premier League at the moment, you know, why did why do people pump that money in there? Because the best players uh, are in England. Because the most attractive, the most marketable players, for the most part, are in England. And if they're not anymore, then the the consequences of that are, are pretty obvious. I think you're right, and I think that it's impossible it would be impossible really to make an exception for football. My mm. only fear is, you know, not fear, my, my, I guess it's kind of optimist, optimistic belief, but, uh, Boris Johnson, who sort of led the lead, uh, leave campaign, <laughs> uh, put out a piece yesterday effectively saying that he's not going to, he doesn't want to change anything. <laughs> he said, uh, <laughs> it, it, it was pretty crazy. So he, this is a quote. I'm just looking at it now. I mean, I know this isn't a politics podcast, but he mm. said, um, I cannot stress too much that Britain is still part of Europe and always will be. EU citizens living in this country will have their rights fully protected. The same goes for British citizens living in the EU. British people will still be able to go and work in the EU, to live, to travel, to study, to buy homes and to settle down. The only change, and it will not come in any great rush, is the UK will extricate itself from the EU's extraordinary and opaque system of legislation. Now, obviously... How, what the ha- fuck does that what's mean? Ha- what's happening now is that the Leave campaign is sort of climbing down on a lot of things, particularly Johnson, because I, I don't think he really cares or necessarily believes that Britain should leave. He was sort of just opportunistically fronting the campaign to further his case to be the next Prime Minister. Yeah. But uh, the, the question will be if, if EU allow Britain to negotiate a deal like that, whereby they leave but basically keep the same rights. Oh, EU presumably wouldn't be happy with that at all, but that's what I think Britain are going to try and do. Um, it'll be fascinating to watch. And obviously the the breakup of the British Isles, potentially, of the, you know, of the United Kingdom mm. um, to follow. So Yeah, it's it's pretty seismic stuff, isn't it? It yeah, felt like that. I mean, it's all, anybody, all uh, people were talking about over here as well. I'm sure. Uh, I'm sure everyone in Ireland's, what, bemused by <laughs> Britain at the moment? Maybe a little bit. I mean, I obviously can't speak for the whole of Ireland, but, uh, you know, the people that what? I've spoken to, <laughs> I know, it's crazy. Uh, but, uh, yeah, people have been just like, what the fuck? They're a little bit more invested in what was happening at the European Championship this weekend wow. but now I think in the cold light of day Ireland have gone out and we can we can step back and look and go what the fuck have you done certainly my Irish friends over here who were allowed to vote uh, yeah they were predominantly on the on the remain side yeah um, of course why would they not be indeed so as, look, a, as EU citizens themselves but look the European Championships you mentioned that's still going on yes it is so look where were we will we start with Ireland let's start with Ireland let's start with Ireland brave Brave Ireland. <laughs> Brave <laughs> Ireland. Do you want to give us a pat on the head there as well? Yeah, I know. Well, little, like, good, good, With your please. leprechauns. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Your beards and your yeah, lovely your dancing Guinness. girls. Oh, they, they have been friendly. No, I, <laughs> they did. I mean, they were, I, I actually only saw the highlights of their match against France. So right. fill me in. How did they acquit themselves? First half, very well. Took an early lead. Shane Long won a penalty. Mm, clumsy, very early. clumsy from Pogba, but Pogba's also, having a nightmare of a tournament, isn't he? He is a bit, yeah. Um, but also clever from from Shane Long. One of those. It was. I won't say it was quite Vardy esque, but he made sure that the contact happened. Yes, he's, um, a, he's a canny striker, as we've discussed before, as yeah. we've been victims of. Yeah. So uh, Robbie Brady cracked in the penalty off the post, and for the first half, Ireland played. Ireland played very well. I think one of the things that's gone on commented on really was an injury to 
is it Jeff Hendrick? Um, who plays Jeff in Hendrick, Central, yeah. yeah. Uh, he, he went down, and there was a lot of people saying he was just time wasting, but I think he got a dead leg. And after he was that. booked, I think. Was he for kicking the ball? Is that a separate incident? Yeah, that was a separate incident. He was booked right. a, a bit later on. But um, after that injury, he seemed to just not be in the game. And I don't think Ireland could afford for him not to be in the game. At halftime, France took off uh, N'Golo Kante and put on uh, Kingsley Coman. Uh, and moved Antoine Griezmann into the into the center, uh, more uh, playing off Giroud basically, and France were on top in the second period. There was no question about it; they were very much on top. Uh, the first goal was nice move, good cross, but poor defending. Fantastic header from Griezmann, and there that was one one. And then there was this weird incident where. Ireland had the ball up the the France end. I think it was the left back, um, Stephen Ward, took a shot which clearly deflected off a French player and went out for what should have been a corner. And none of the officials seemed to spot this. For, I don't quite know why. It was very obvious deflection. And from the next passage of play, um, uh, France got their second goal. Giroud well, involved. Do you, know what I, do you know what I think about that? I mean, at the end of the day in football... Sometimes there will be miscarriages of justice, but the nice thing is these things always even themselves out. <laughs> uh, yeah, poor Ireland. No luck at all against the French, eh? No, not at all. And then 2-1 and a uh, man sent off. But before the man was sent off, Ireland had a brilliant chance to equalise. James McLean got into a great position. He, he uh, outran and outmuscled Ramy, I think it was, at centre-half. And all he needed to do was square it for Shane Long, or I think Jonathan Walters was in there as well. Uh, Would have had a tap in, but he just played it behind and Koscielny was there to, to clear. So it was, you know, from that point of view, you would have some regrets uh, in terms of both goals. The defending was not great, particularly the second goal. The defending was, was very poor. Um, and then, of course, missing that chance. And then Ireland were down to 10 men, carved open through the middle again. It was Griezmann who went through. Shane Duffy took him out. Uh, as he as he had to do basically uh, mm -hmm. had to make a lunging tackle the edge of the box and it was a, a fairly obvious red card uh, and after that I think Ireland were pretty lucky to keep it to two one uh, Gignac came on for Giroud and well I mean I think Deschamps said you know the way Giroud has those games where he misses chances go on and do that. Go on, yeah. just go on and do that, which is what he did. He missed a couple of really good chances. Uh, but, you know, overall, I think France were, were, were probably good value for the win in terms of how they play, the quality they had. I think they were, they were fresher. They had three days more rest than Ireland. They were able to rest some players in their previous game. And, uh, you know, overall, I think this, you know, Ireland did well to get to, uh, to the knockout stages, but this was, you know, one step too far. Yeah, I mean, they did really well to get there. And when they went ahead, it's one of those ways, that, that weird cliche, they sort of scored too early. Mm. France had a lot of time to grow back into that game. Yeah. What a header it was from Giroud for the second goal. Yeah, the really, really good. Really good. He was strong for both goals, actually. Mm. Uh, he didn't score. He wasn't much of a threat himself. He didn't get, I mean, he didn't get much in the way of service. I don't think there were any real chances for him at all. There was one actually. There was a. There was a. It's a brilliant piece of TV if you can find it, where I think it's Payet. Somebody crosses the ball in anyway from the from the right hand side, and it's coming to Giroud, sort of at the back post for a header, and you can see him in the replay. The motion, like the neck comes back, 
the head goes forward and he's like, you could, that's he just about to head the ball in. I think it was Duffy just got a flick header on it just to, to take it away from him. Great piece of defending. But the replay of Giroud like doing the motion of heading the ball into the net was, was really quite funny. But he didn't have a lot of service. He didn't have any real chances in the game. Um, but you know, I think he played pretty, pretty solidly. Um, so yeah, I mean, France threw, uh, through to the quarterfinals. Yeah. Do we know indeed. who they play? Um, I think we do, but I don't <laughs> off the top of my head. This, I found this conversation difficult to follow because of the whole third place thing. It's been difficult to yeah. plan out who's got who. Um, let's see. European Championships update. They play quarterfinalist eight, so I believe... Of course, they're going to play England if England beats Iceland. Oh, if England beats Iceland. Okay. Yes. Um, which... I mean, England ought to do, really. They ought to. Uh, we'll come to that. We'll come to that. We'll just uh, re- recap some of the other stuff over on the weekend. Granite Xhaka. Oh, dear. Oh, dear. That wasn't pretty. Wasn't, but, you know. I mean, it happens. He's not been bought as a goal scorer, has he? No, but apparently he's a, a reasonable penalty taker. I think he said something afterwards. I took it the way I... I think he said something like, I took it the way I always take them, but I didn't make the right connection. Um, right. So I hope he doesn't always take them like that, but not quite like that. Not no. quite. More in the goal. There were some great penalties in that penalty shootout. Oh, excellent penalties! Lewandowski yeah, really was just like mm. oh, I love. I love a penalty that goes in the top corner. Love it. Unsavable. Truly yeah, unsavable. Yeah, it's yeah, really properly. Um, but Jacques was a bad miss, and that was the only miss in that in that shootout. So Switzerland go home, and uh, Macedonia. I mean, why? Why is he taking penalties? I, I, I can kind of see the logic because obviously he's very technically blessed. If you said to him, kick a ball onto this 50 pence play piece, he probably could do it. But yeah. I've never fancied him when he steps up to take a penalty. No, me neither. He just looks unconvincing when he's there. Yeah, you know, it's just certain players don't quite have that goal scoring instinct. And I think he is one of them. I'm, perhaps in training, he puts them away, you know, really nonchalantly. And it's. Yeah. You know, water of the Dutch back, it's easy for him. But in a game situation, and with the other players Germany have on the field, very, very surprised that, that Ozil got the nod. Yeah. It, was, it was a good save nonetheless, I thought. Yeah, it was a decent save, but it was one of those where they, you know, it was the right height. A good you height put for it right a goalkeeper. In that corner like Lewandowski does. No yeah. There, near it. Yeah, Van Persie used to take penalties like that, didn't he? Put them in the top corner. Actually, Cole yeah. actually did it. He's a good penalty taker too, without wanting to, uh, you know be nice to Ashley Cole in any way. I duly praise him. Yes. Yeah. Um, what else then? Uh, Belgium won. Um, Belgium won emphatically. Eden Hazard's remembered how to play football. Mm. That's good for, I think, for Belgium. Yeah, I mean, I think I know it's quarterfinals now, so it seems a bit late to say this, but I've always thought Belgium would go pretty deep into this tournament. And yeah. They started quite mixed, but I think they, they're putting it together at the right time. Now. Yeah. Um, Wales they have in the quarterfinal. Wales, of course, beat Northern Ireland 1-0. Yes, an own goal. Not, Not much classic. of a game. No, it was no. a terrible game. Actually, the three games on Saturday were like oh, pretty yeah. dull. Pretty dull. Um, Wales, Northern Ireland, there was the Switzerland-Poland game, and then there was Croatia against Portugal. Uh, which is, that almost goes down as a shock in my book, Portugal beating Croatia. Yeah, yeah. I fancy Croatia in that one, I have to say. Yeah, but uh, Aaron Ramsey marches on. I mean, he'll be enjoying his his European Championships. Yeah, yeah. Pre-assist for the goal as well. 
Pre-assist. Well, well, well. Yeah. It's been interesting watching him play, actually. He's played quite an advanced role, generally, for Wales, hasn't he? They've always yeah. played kind of one... When they've played Robson Carney, they've always played two guys sort of just off him with a lot of licence. And, uh, yeah, you wonder if that'll be in Arsene Wenger's thoughts next season. Will he be, will he be looking at the performances of Granit Xhaka and wondering if Ramsey could sit deep alongside him? Or will he be seeing Ramsey in this liberated Wales role and thinking maybe he's part of your attacking trio of central midfielders by the striker. Yeah, I mean, I think that with Ramsey, he he operates better the further forward he is or the more license he has to uh, to attack and get in mm-hmm. the box. You know, his movement, he, the timing of his runs into the box, uh, you know, he's got a good eye for a pass uh, in around the box as well. So, yeah, it will be interesting to see what, what Arsene Wenger does, um, whether he does something else in terms of the transfer market this summer with a midfielder and bring somebody in that would allow Ramsey to move further forward. But then, you know, when you look further forward in this team, it's hard to know exactly where he would fit in, you know? Well, so. that's it. Do you, do, you sign, do you sign Draxler or do you sign Kante? You know mm. what I mean? And, and whichever one you go for, I guess, affects how, yeah. how you deploy Ramsey. Draxler, please. Draxler, please. He was, I mean, that was a lovely assist from him in the Germany game, wasn't it? Yeah, lovely goal. Lovely goal as well. Mm. He looked, he looked the business. Um, a lot of talk about Manchester United I've seen in the papers. Oh, Draxler. really? Well, yeah. yeah, it looks like Manchester United are going to sign Mikatarian from yes, Dortmund. that be actively done? Yeah. Um, I think it was Rafa Honigstein saying that there's some Dortmund officials over in. Yeah, Manchester sealing that one off. So that and that was one that Arsenal were on the case. We believe. Oh yeah, we were definitely on the case. Uh, like a hundred percent on the case, and then we were not on the case. Presumably because he. Well, I don't chose know Manchester United. Or? Who knows? Maybe. Who is it possible? Perhaps that somebody at the Arsenal end changed their mind. I don't know. Just throwing how, it how out unlikely. there. How, <laughs> <laughs> Well, speaking of changing one's mind or okay. decisions, right? We we've talked about England, but we didn't mention your friend of mine, Jamie Vardy. Has that happened in the in last week that it yeah. was official? Yeah, well, it, yeah. Again, in as far as it is official, in as far as it can be, yeah. With that, he's agreed with his representatives a new four year deal with uh, with Leicester, mm. which Leicester announced. Now, it didn't say he signed a new four year deal, but I think you know we can take it as read that that that's what he's going to do. Unless he has signature via his iPad, probably. (laughs) Unless he has a significant change of heart in the next uh, in the next few weeks. Let me ask you this: If you could take one of Vardy or Mares, who would you take? Oh, uh, if I could, I would probably take Riyad Mares. You know, Jamie Vardy's twenty nine, thirty next season. Uh, Riyad Mahrez, 25 at the moment, uh, PFA Player of the Year. I think that I think that Mahrez has the greater potential to be a world-class attacking midfielder than I do that Vardy has the potential to be a world-class striker. Yeah, yeah. That's how I interpret it. Mm. What um, about yourself? Yeah, I would be inclined to, to, uh, to go that route and find another striking option. Because I do think having that wide creative player is is really important. I know we need a striker, and there's nobody saying we don't need a striker, that we've got to get one, um, who it might be. I mean, if the Euros have shown us anything, it's that there is a real dearth of striking talent across Europe, across the world, really. Mm-hmm. 
there's nobody really, really standing out beyond, beyond the obvious ones who are out of our um, who are out of our uh, price range or or wouldn't be in our orbit anyway because we're not quite big enough for, for them. But beyond that, you know, there's a lot of very good strikers, but there aren't too many like amazing prospects or talents coming up that you think, okay, we could spend fifty, sixty million pounds on this player. Yeah. yeah. So I th- I think. Uh Mares, I'd love to see Mares at the club, but that would be dependent on getting a, another striker as well, mm. um, as as an alternative to Vardy. Sure, sure. Um, what do you make of all the Kante noise, by the way? Arsene unusually forthcoming about his interest, at least, or admiration for the player. Yeah, and yet it feels like an area where we're not we're not crying out for new additions, having already signed Shaka. Yeah. Yeah, he does. He's talked about him quite effusively, hasn't he? And is, you know, mm. I think Kante's good, but I don't know if he's a player that we need. We certainly mm. need to fill some other positions before we add another diminutive uh, midfielder uh, to the mix. Um, mm. You know, would he be a massive, massive improvement over Coquelin? Like maybe better, but not massive, massive. Particularly when we've got to look elsewhere for things that will will improve this team. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it's it's interesting to hear him talk about that. I wonder, is it a bit smokescreeny uh, as well, talking about ja- or Kante when he might be after somebody else? You know. Um, but yeah, I mean, look, I haven't. Been, he's been quite good in the European Championships, but not hugely impressive. Um. Suspended for the next game, I believe. Uh, oh yeah, which which could be against England, right? Um, yeah. So now we wait. We wait to see with Vardy having made his seemingly made his decision. I, yeah, I understand the FA were not particularly pleased, having said that he would keep it quiet for the month that he mm. then uh, released that. But um, yes, we wait to see who the next striker target is because if we learn anything from the Jamie Vardy bid, it's that. You know, we, we definitely need one, and we're definitely active in the market looking for one. So. Yeah, some reports over the weekend that uh, Alexandra Lacazette is uh, is yeah. on the manager's radar. Well, that felt like a matter of time. To be honest. Yeah, if I mean, I think I tweeted a while ago saying that I can't believe he hasn't been linked more strongly. I mean, he's he's French, he's quick, he's you know two footed. He fits a lot of the the uh, criteria that we normally see in a, an Arsene Wenger signing. Mm. So. Who knows? I mean, it's always difficult to measure the league. Iron has always been a sort of a famously difficult league to predict how people do coming out of it. Yeah, but, because um, you look. At, yeah, you look at some players who they score a lot of goals in, in Liga and then struggle to to make that step up to a slightly more uh, difficult, more physical, um, maybe more competitive league. But then you look mm. at somebody like Obama Yang. He came out of Liga, did he not? To go to Dortmund and has Drogba. developed Drogba exactly. Yeah. Um, Sonogo Cabadiawara yes yeah, so. <laughs> uh, some stellar names yes indeed so uh, England tonight then they are going to face Iceland the land of high-pitched commentators they're so com- sure, yes quite they really do <laughs> go crazy when they score don't they yeah they're giving the South Americans a run for their money yeah if the South um, American go thing is like their thing then Icelandic is to see uh, which sonic frequency they can emit the, the, the highest noise when they score a goal it's, it's incredible I'm, 
I'm sad to be, as an Englishman, I'm sad to be facing Iceland. Aren't they everybody's second team in the Euros? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the plucky, I mean, again, the, they've, they've taken the plucky underdog status that Republic of Ireland have, you know, handed over having gone out. Yes, pat um, them on the head now, James, as well. Let's pat them, let's patronise those guys too. I wouldn't yeah. want to miss them out. Um, no, but I love Iceland. I've been to Iceland, actually. Brilliant country. Oh, yeah, I've never been. Never been. Oh, it's very cool. They've got, it's like, it's like a little planet of its own. They've got everything. They've got... Apart you know, from trees. Struggling for trees, but they've got icebergs and they've got deserts and they've got a hard rock cafe, I believe. Oh, wow. Um, well, I mean, that seals the deal. A hard rock cafe. Yeah. Is it I mean? a hard rock cafe or a planet Hollywood? It's one of the two. And it's one of the first <laughs> that was built in the world. It's in Reykjavik. Um, they've got whales swimming around. I mean, look, it's a great country. It smells of sulfur, a lot of it. Right. And when you have a shower, the water's very sulfuric, which is very good for your skin, but Ooh, I mean, it, it smells... It, ex it exfoliates, does it? Yeah, but effectively, but it's very smelly. You feel like you're showering in eggs. It doesn't... <laughs> it feels odd. Uh, well, they must do a lot in, in uh, deodorant and aftershave sales up there, then. I think they're probably all egg-flavoured, too. I think maybe it's just a cultural thing. They like it. I don't know. Yeah. But, well, um, yeah, look, I mean, I have to say from an underdog's point of view, and sorry to all my English chums, it would be amazing to see uh, Iceland do something spectacular this evening. I don't think they will. I think like Ireland... Heidegger Johnson, nesting the winner. Yeah, this is a this is a step too far, but uh, it would be an amazing story if they, if they managed, uh, managed to do it. So uh, we'll see what I happens. I mean, there. apparently... The people of Iceland are absolutely thrilled with this draw because obviously the Premier League's, as you probably know, what was yeah. the traffic's that's got a big following over there. Um, a lot of Icelandic Arsenal fans out and about. And for them to come up against uh, the Premier League stars is a, is a big deal. Mm. So they'll certainly be super, super up for it. And England, I don't know about this England team. I can't figure them out. I mean, it, it doesn't look like Roy Hodgson can figure them out particularly. No. Um, expecting another six changes today, I think. Raheem Sterling coming back in. Delhi Ali and Wayne Rooney, among others. Um, I think, that, you know, this it's a really tricky one, and I think they're, they're struggling to score goals. Um, mm. It's the big issue. They're creating chances, but not really taking them. Yes, yeah. Okay, well, we'll see that Italy-Spain then before that. That's going to be a that's gonna be a big one. That should be a big one, because Spain is Spain, right? Spain are always good, and they have, they've looked like Spain, to be honest, uh, in a few of their games. But Italy... I, I, I more fool me for being surprised, but they've been one of the most impressive outfits in the tournament in terms yeah. of, I mean, sorry to resort to cliches, but in terms of organisation and defending and efficiency, they've been really strong. So yeah. I've got a feeling about it today. Bodes, have you? Yeah, yeah, I have a little bit talking about it. Yeah. Um, it worries me a little bit as well. Their manager seems to know what he's doing. He'll be at Stafford Bridge next season. Oh, so. yeah, he seems like quite the tactician, doesn't he? Mm. Mm. Yes. Curse them and their tactics. Frightening again. Yeah. yeah, they've always had bloody tactics, Chelsea. It's annoying. Yeah. Why it's can't they annoying. Just, just stop with your tactics and just send them out free form like Jazz. Like man. we do. Jazz. Yeah. Jazz. Ask the of the Jazz manager. The Jazzer, as Philippe Eau Claire uh, referred to him. Okay. Um, uh, we've got to look across the Atlantic. Alexis Sanchez has won uh, the Copa America with Chile for the second year in a row incredible really I mean fantastic they beat Argentina was mm -hmm. it in the final yeah uh, nil nil and yeah penalty shootout penalty shootout 4-2 on penalties Lionel Messi missed his penalty 
And he's, he's had a bit of a strop since, hasn't he? He's sort of called it a day. Yeah. 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 We'll have Four to finals, I think he's lost with Argentina. Yeah, I mean, people will say uh, that, you know, he's got to take some responsibility for that. Yeah, sure. Sure. But uh, I say, he has been playing in a team with Demichelis. I mean, I, I can understand his frustrations to an extent, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> what do you say? I say I don't really care. Okay. Yeah. I'm, what about his decision? Or? Yeah, pretty indifferent to it, to be honest. I'm I'm sure that, you know, if Argentina qualify for the 2018 World Cup, he could be convinced to come back or, or play a part in the qualification process. Perhaps he's feeling a little little emotional, a little tender at this moment in time. And who could blame him? Losing finals is, is heartbreaking and annoying. And when you're used to winning them with Barcelona, uh, losing them... Uh, you know, it's got to hurt. But then again, you know, when when it comes to the crunch, you got a penalty. As part of a penalty shootout, you you waddle it, you Chris waddle it over mm. the bar. You shacker it. Yeah. Well, shacker was wide. Waddle is high. See. Ah, I see. Did Messi's go uh, high? It went high over the bar. It was a Ooh, Chris dear. waddle. A Stuart They're the Pierce. worst. They're the worst. I think. Yeah, a Stuart Pierce. Um, a Brian McClare. <laughs> Against Arsenal many years ago. Um, yeah, it wasn't good. So he's obviously feeling a bit, yeah, a bit fraught. Uh, but oh, I think he'll happy. be back. Yeah. I think he'll be back, Messi. Um, <clears throat> yeah, let's just have a quick thing on the Messi thing. Do you subscribe to the view that in, it would in any way taint or damage his legacy that he's not won a, a major international tournament with Argentina? Maybe. Maybe. I mean, that's the thing that people always said about Maradona, wasn't it? That, you know, having won the World Cup w- with Argentina and done what he did with with Napoli, um, you know, that's what set him apart. The fact that he performed on, on the biggest stage and maybe back then, maybe back then the World Cup was the, the biggest thing. But I think over the years, international football, the quality and the level of international football has diminished has decreased, whereas the level of club, club football is is a lot better. Messi, what he's done at club football level, winning Champions Leagues and so many La Ligas with with Barcelona. Um, yeah, it's, it's a different era. Different era, really. Um, so I don't know. Again, I don't give a fuck, actually, to be perfectly honest. I think he's a brilliant, amazing player, probably the best player I've ever seen. Um, and I've been witness to some of his destructions of, of Arsenal down the years. Um, so whether he does it at international level or not, uh, you know, fuck it. What do you think? Um, I think it probably will make, it probably does make a tiny difference. I mean, Maradona, what Maradona achieved with Argentina was so extraordinary. The pressure on Messi to kind of emulate is always going to be there. Um, but, you know, it's a team game, isn't it? And he's only one man. Mm. Uh, uh, but like you say, he's also got to take some responsibility. If you blast a penalty over the bar, unfortunately, yeah, you're going to get it in the neck. As for Alexis, another great, another great summer for him. Um, I mean, I, am I a little bit concerned about his exertions? I, I read reports that he might have played uh, much of the final, obviously carrying an injury. I didn't see it myself. But, yeah, uh, that wouldn't surprise me in the least. Well, look, let's let's talk about Alexis a bit more when we do part two on some questions. We should, okay, do, we should take a little that. break here. We'll do part two and questions, one of which will include Alexis, right after this. Oh. 
Welcome back to the Arscast Extra. I think we're still sponsored by Cornerstone. Cornerstone. Right. Yeah. Good to, good to know. You think you're not sure. I'm not 100% sure, but if you fancy shaving more efficiently, you can go to cornerstone.co.uk forward slash arseblog. You get £10 off your first delivery of amazing German-engineered precision razor blades. They should get those German-engineered precision razor blades to take penalties ahead of Mesut Ozil. That's what I think. Definitely. It's a nation with such a proud penalty-taking tradition. Indeed. And uh, every bit of of that stuff helps support the podcast. So thank you very much. Check it out. Cornerstone.co.uk forward slash arseblog. So, write questions and stuff. Do you want to go first? I will go first, yeah. Okay. Why the bloody hell not? Let's get, let's let's start where we left off. So sure. Magnus Holmberg has asked Alexis winning the Copa America and winning player of the tournament. Impact on next season? Question mm. mark. And there were a couple of other questions of that ilk. Um, uh, Roman three sixty said, should Arsene call Alexis and tell him not to start his personal pre training pre season training so early this time round? Yeah, Michael White had one as well at Miguel Blanco five ten. Do you think Alexis will start slowly again this coming season due to another Copa America hangover? Right, here's what I think has to happen. Go on. It is now twenty um, seventh of June, Monday twenty seventh of June. So it is. Alexis needs to be given. A month off. So he doesn't return to the UK. He doesn't come back to England until, uh, let me have a look at the, the old monthies here, my calendar, until Monday the 25th of July. Right? Okay. At which point he should be eased into preseason training. They should assess whatever injuries he's got. And I think he's got a couple of injuries. He picked up an ankle problem. He had a groin problem for uh, quite a bit of last season as well. I think he had a groin problem going into the into the Copa America. Uh, the, just the basic physical exhaustion. He needs to be given that time off and told, don't do anything. Just seriously, if you can, just don't do it. Play with your dogs. Lie on the beach. I know it's difficult. You want to be running here, there, and everywhere. But just don't. Relax recuperate, recharge. And the first game of the season is on what, the 13th? Am I Mm. right? Okay. Mm. So I don't think we should be looking to use Alexis, if at all possible, until maybe, you know, the the third, fourth game of the season. Depending on his fitness, I think we need to have a squad in place that can cope with his absence for the first two games of the season, at least – to make sure that he's 100% fit and 100% rested. And we're not doing what we did last season. If you remember, on the opening day of the season, we're short because of injuries, and we have to throw Alexis on, and he looked tired. And I think it affected his form, his confidence, his rhythm. Uh, it, it affected his football throughout last season. So I don't think we can make that mistake again. And the way that we cope with that is making sure that we have a squad that's big enough and good enough to cope with, with his absence. To do anything other than that, to my mind, would be absolutely just unforgivable. Now, okay, I agree with you. Okay, but what? I'm hearing a but here, James. I'm hearing a but. <laughs> well, I'm just looking at what those two first games of the season are. Yeah. Liverpool and Leicester, and I'm yeah. thinking... We beat Leicester twice last season, right? Alexis scored a hat-trick in one of them. Oh, I know. <laughs> <laughs> but, and yeah, Liverpool, okay... 
What did we do in Liverpool? Did we? Oh, we drew. We both drew games. nil nil, and then and three then we three. Drew three three. Yeah. Look, but they're, they're, I'm just thinking. I agree with you. I, does Arsene Wenger have the discipline to ignore the option of Alexis in mm. those games? I think he has to. I think he has to. Because if it, if it's a case that, you know, a tired Alexis is brought back too soon and he suffers another injury, then it affects our season. Not just the first couple of games. You can, obviously you don't want to drop points in your first couple of games, but if you do drop a couple of points, it's early enough for you to make up that shortfall. But if you are without Alexis Sanchez for a significant period like we were last season, then you're like, you're always going to struggle because he is such a fundamentally important player to us because of the goals mm. that he scores. He's one of the only players who got into double figures last season. Did we only have two players get into double figures? I think we did. I think that must be right. Yeah. yeah. So only Alexis and Olivier Giroud. We don't have the goals from further back that we should have. We don't have, like Walcott didn't get them. Ramsey got a few. I think Ozil might have got eight or nine. You know, we didn't, we didn't have, and we don't have as it stands, any players who you would feel confident about of getting into, of getting 10, 15 goals next season. Mm. Like Oxlade Chamberlain mm. is not going to do it, you know, based on what we've seen from him before. Theo Walcott, who the fuck knows? Aaron Ramsey could or couldn't, depending on where he's being played. Mesut Ozil, I don't think he's going to get you that many goals. You know, he could be a 10-goal-a-season player, but that's about the size of it. So if you're without Alexis Sanchez and you don't have anybody else to make up that shortfall, then you're fucked. So that's why I think uh, having a wide player on our transfer uh, list, on our shopping list this summer, is so important. That's why I'd be really inclined to have a look at someone like Mares, who scored, I don't know, how many, what, 15, 16 goals yeah, last season? Yeah, around the same as Alexis. Alexis yeah. got 17 last you know, season. So Mares was similar. That's, that's what we're going to have to look at. Uh, and that's the kind of signing that we have to make in order to give Alexis the rest that he needs. And that, you know, to me, there's no excuse, A, not to give Alexis that rest, and B, not to buy that player. There's no reason not to do either of those things. I, I'm inclined to agree. And I think, you know, hopefully we've learned some of the lessons of last season in terms of rushing Alexis back. Mm. I don't think it's sustainable what he's doing. As fit as he is, you know, he's playing so much football and his summers are so congested. Um, it's vital he has a, a, a proper break now. And if he didn't play mm. for the first month of the season, I wouldn't think that to be a particularly bad thing as yeah. long as we have yeah. the requisite squad depth and alternative options to, to yeah. survive that. Okay, all right. Here's a question from Arsenal's Voice, at Arsenal's Voice. And he says, with uh, Xhaka and Ozil missing penalties, who would be your first five players in a penalty shootout for Arsenal? Of the current squad? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, well, Xhaka and Ozil, well, they wouldn't be in it, I suspect. <laughs> um, so it doesn't have to be the starting eleven. No, any, any, any players. Right. Well, we've lost Arteta. Mm-hmm. Cazorla, I guess. Yep. He would be one. Um, I think I'd have Alexis. Right. Um, I think I'd probably have Aaron Ramsey. Right. Um, Giroud. Yeah. And... I want a fifth taker. Yeah, you need one more. Mm. 
I think maybe this might surprise a few people. Mm-hmm. But I might go for a Koshalny. Really? Yeah. Right. I, I've never seen him take a penalty, I don't think. But I just fancy him. Mm. Who would you have that I've not had? Well, Who would you not have that I've had? I would definitely have Cazorla, Giroud and Alexis. Okay. What about Ramsey? Which uh, yeah, Ramsey? I would be I would be confident that Ramsey could do it. I also think maybe um, uh, Mohamed El Neni might be a good penalty taker. I don't know why okay. I think that, but I just like the way he hits the ball. He takes corners, obviously. Takes a good the, corner. The, yeah, takes a good corner. So uh, I would be I would be confident enough that he could do it. And weirdly, people might laugh at this. They might say, "There he goes." I don't know how he's Theo Walcott. Yeah, I don't know why. Besides, finish. yeah, you know he's. He's frustrating, but I think from the penalty spot, he might be all right. Um, I do seem to remember him taking a penalty in a penalty shootout some years ago. Yeah, I've seen, we've, we've seen that before. <clears throat> and he's taken under decent penalties. What about uh, Jack Wilshire? Was he in your thoughts at all? Maybe. Hadn't thought about him, but yeah, yeah. But Hector I wouldn't have. Hector? Do like a fullback taking penalties. I have to say, I do like that. Lee Dixon of the ones we have, Hector would be the one I would go for. I think. Yeah, I like Nacho. I yeah. I Hector. wouldn't have Kieran Gibbs. He'd be low down my list. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Oh fuck! I remember the uh, the miss in the uh, in the FA Cup final. I was going to say Kieran Gibbs is a good finisher um, when he gets in positions. He has scored some good goals, but yeah, I think I would probably, I think I would go for Monreal over Bellerin. Would you? Yeah. Mm. So there we go. There's me penalty, guys. Okay. I mean, who will be first choice next season? Cazorla, I guess. Cazorla, if he's playing Giroud, Alexis. I think those would be the, the, the first three. Um, again, depending on who we bring in and what sort of what sort of authority they have when they come in. You know, if a new player comes in who's a penalty penalty whiz, do they take over from the more established guys? We'll have to wait and see. Yeah, we will wait and see. Mm. Um, well, speaking of coming in, this is a very broad... Uh, oh, no, I'm not going to do that one, actually. He's already had a... Qu- Magnus Holmberg has asked so many questions today, for which we're very grateful, but if I'm not careful, I'll just... Uh, this will be the Magnus Holmberg special edition of the podcast. Yeah. Um, he's been very prolific indeed. Okay, well, this is a this is a broad one. I All think right. you're going to be stumped by this. Okay. It's from Andre Jacobs, who's at Andre Jacobs MMA. Um, and he asks, which players at the Euros have impressed you the most and do you think they'd fit into our squad? That's a really good question. Um... Griezmann has really impressed me, but then he's impressed me for the last 12 months. And yes, he would definitely fit in our squad, but no, he won't because he just signed a brand new deal with, with Atletico Madrid. That's um, not, is he is he sort of almost exactly the sort of player we'd be after this yeah. in terms of a goal? So I don't know. I mean, what would you count him as? as a central striker or a goal-scoring wide man? He can play both a roles. A bit of both, yeah. A bit of both. Um Certainly was more effective playing off Giroud yesterday mm. as a sort of a, a number 10 or, or a second striker kind of thing. But, you know, he's got the quality to score from from everywhere. I like the the Belgian guy. Um, 
who also plays for Atletico Madrid, scored a good goal last night. Oh, Carrasco. Carrasco. Yeah. He scored, of course, against us uh, for his previous club. Was it... Uh, oh, God, I'm trying to think now. I don't Monaco. know. Monaco. Oh, yeah. He's with the guy who scored the counter-attack goal, the final goal, I believe, in oh, the was home that him? against Monaco. Yeah, yeah. What a cunt. Um, yes, indeed. <laughs> but he's a, he's, a, he's a good player. Yeah. Uh, he, he's, again, a wide man with pace, mm. you know. Um, yeah. He, he's been... He's been yeah. Francisco for a year, I think. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. He's good. I like him. In terms of strikers, nobody has really stood out. Murad has got some goals. Lukaku uh, has been very disappointing in general. Mm. Um, and I'm just trying to think, you know, there's nobody... Nobody, no defender has really stood out for me. No, I mean, unsurprisingly, the, the Italian ones look good. Bonucci, I think, has had some yeah. good moments. Um I'm just trying to think beyond that. I actually thought Fabian Schaar was all right for Switzerland. Mm. Uh, what we saw of him. Um, the Swiss yeah. goalkeeper looked quite good, actually. He did summer. Look good summer, yeah. Uh, he, he was very decent. There's, oh, there's this uh, Polish goalkeeper, Fabi something. He looked quite good as well against Switzerland. <laughs> yeah, he was all right. And the, what about the Northern Irish goalkeeper? Oh, uh, yeah, McGovern. Germany. Yeah. Amazing. And a free agent, I believe. Yeah. Bring him in. We've got, we've got in. room for goalkeepers. We might do. We might do. Yeah. It's, I mean, it might be just a bit of a step up from Hamilton, Hamilton Academicals. It might be, but, you know, he's thriving on the international stage. What could go wrong? Is that what they're called? Ham- Hamilton Academicals? Something Yes, about that's that. what it is, yeah. Into that's a difficult world. Somewhere. That's a difficult word to say. Academical. Academical. Academicals. Hamilton Academical FC. It's not easy. No. Uh, Who, anyone else impressed anyone, you? Anyone we're not thinking of? Griezmann's a, a good one. Um, Payet, obviously, in the group stages. Um, I'm just trying to think who's gone through. Impressed by Poland, but they're sort of more of a team thing, aren't they? You know, mm. they've got a great... I can't remember who it was. I think it was... I can't remember who it was, but a journalist was saying they sort of resemble a good Europa League team. And I thought, yeah, that's fairly accurate. Yeah. Um, mm, that's I it. I mean, I've, I've been impressed by Gabriel Karai's tracksuit. Obviously, yeah. a man after my own heart. Good old trackies. Uh, they, no, yeah, they are. Yeah, he, you know, if you had, if you had actually had um, some some sense, James. Yes. You you would have you would have uh, get you would have got Kiraly in the uh, the J train. Uh, brand tracky of course, pants. Of course, you could have you could have really sparked something here at these European Championships. Um, I mean, a guy who's out of the tournament now, but who was impressive during his brief tenure in it was Marek Hamzik. I thought uh, for yeah. Slovakia, yeah, he did pretty well. Yeah, he's a good player. He's a good player, um, but you know, seemingly happily at Napoli. I don't know. Mm. We shall see. Happily but at Napoli. I like happily it. Happily at Napoli. Um, I. Yeah, I mean, strikers is the ones we're looking for, and that no one's really caught fire, have they? Yeah. Um, yeah. Morata will be an interesting one, though, because obviously Madrid have now exercised that buyback clause, so he's making some noises about wanting to go there and compete for his place. Yeah. I think they're probably quite keen to shift him on for a bunch of money. So. Yeah, yeah. All right, uh, here's a question from Marshall Doig. 
I think that's how you pronounce it. Apologies mm. if, if not. Uh, at Marshall Doig. Uh, and he says, Are crowd countdowns to kick off the greatest innovation that Euro 2016 has brought to football? Or soccer, rather. He says soccer. I, I quite enjoy it. I mean, it's, you know, it's one of those little little niche additions, like taking the ball off a plinth, that I really enjoy. <laughs> the ball on the plinth, I love, I must say. Yeah. You know, yeah. The, the referee swiping it away. Enjoying the showbiz moment. Mm. Um, I think uh, crowd countdowns. At Arsenal, they kind of have that countdown effect on the big screen, don't they? They have the video of the big clock ticking. It's not to kick off itself, but it's to the teams coming out of the tunnel. Are yeah. you aware of this? Um, yeah, most of the time. I'm, I'm sort of getting in just as the teams are coming. Sure, coming out sure. Or- no, I'm, I'm already ensconced. I mean, what do you think of the crowd countdowns? Can you see it taking off in the Premier League? Uh, I, th- I think it's uh, dreadful, contrived <laughs> nonsense, to be perfectly <laughs> honest. <laughs> I just think, oh, come on. They try, you know, it's it's like when you see... Um, it was never more obvious than at the FA Cup final this year. This manufactured atmosphere. How do we get yeah. people up and singing and having a good time. We get, like, some terrible pop musician to stand there. It's just like, stop. You know, if you give fans uh, the chance, they will create their own atmosphere between each other, you know, with themselves. Don't need all this sort of blasting tannoys of fucking nonsense. Um, But I think they're so afraid, uh, you know, of of their not being razzmatazz, that somehow a sporting event can't be good if it doesn't have fucking poppers and streamers and fireworks and, you know, loud pumping fucking dance music. It's like, ah, Jesus, come on. Just, you know, give the people some credit uh, and stop all this, uh, stop all this bullshit. But, you know, I'm sure they'll find something else, something new that they can do as well. Oh, Uh, I'm sure. Yeah. But no, I I don't don't like it. You don't like it. Well, no. I'm sure they'll they'll come up with something. I mean, I I uh, I don't I don't think I have the same vitriol for it that you do, but I agree about certainly the FA Cup final thing. I I, mm. I don't like that sort of pipe. How far are we away from piped in crowd noise? Well, we did a uh, I think it was I can't remember if it was this year or last year on Arse Blog News. We did a an, an April Fool oh, about yes. how the the club were going to you know, do amplified chanting uh, around the ground. And of course, some people saw immediately that it was an April Fool. But uh, as ever, a number of people thought the story was real because there was probably just a hint of, well, this could actually happen. Yeah. Um, And I think it's happened before at certain grounds, has it not? I'm nearly sure it's happened, you know, where there's been amplified chanting, maybe not during games, but perhaps in the build-up to games where they've they've piped in some crowd noise uh, to get people going. So I think that's probably inevitable as well at some point. God, frightening prospect. All right. Have you got one more? Uh, Maybe. Yeah, let me have a little look. Um... I enjoyed this from Dial1886. It's not so much a question, but he said, how long before the tiresome Wenger debate is referred to as Vengsit? Vengsit. Uh, <laughs> which it made me laugh in the light of this week's events. Yeah. And uh, Tom Servo Jones, at Tom Servo Jones, had a very difficult question for you. Uh-oh. He says, if you had, always a bad start, mm. if you had to go for a candle-lit meal with one member of the Spurs squad... Which one would it be, and why? Oh, a candlelit meal. I mean, does that? I mean, what's that? Does it mean romantic? I think candles are generally romantic. Or there's been a power cut. 
Right. There may have been some sort of power outage. It may be a post-apocalyptic scenario where candles are our only means of lighting things. One thing we can definitely gather, it's definitely an evening. You know, right. No one's l- lighting things via candle in the day. I'm trying to look. I'm looking down at the uh, the Spurs squad here. Yeah, me too. It's uncomfortable, isn't it? Yeah, and I'm thinking, God, I don't really fancy it with, with any of them. Um, like the, the stupid fullbacks. Not the centre half. All the fullbacks, haven't they? Yeah, you know people like Bentaleb and Mason and and Lamella and Deli Ali. They've all got these faces that are genuinely. If I was sitting having a candlelit meal with Deli Ali, I couldn't get five minutes without just reaching over and giving him a slap because of yeah. just his face. I mean, also you can't, you can't go for Harry Kane, can you? Because obviously. No, he'd be just putting be, yeah, his be food constantly his falling food. out of his mouth. Um, I think perhaps Christian Eriksen, maybe he Christian doesn't Erickson. seem like the biggest cunt or, or the, 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 the reserve goalkeeper, Michel Vorm. Uh, that's who I was going to go for. Michel Vorm. He just seems like a quite inoffensive character. Utterly harmless. Yeah. I liked him when he was at Swansea. I, I like, you know, he, he's... He, he's got a, a nicer face than most Spurs players. Yeah, yeah. And I just think he's not really part of it, is he? It's like when Carlo Cudicini was there. It's like you sort of can't, you don't hate him that much because he's, you're not really involved. The sub goal, he's not really up to much at all. No. He's not one of the main proponents of Spursiness. No. He's just a background figure. Yeah, yeah. I think, it, yeah. He's passing through. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Now, it's not to say we would enjoy it in any way. But if we had to, I mean, that's the question. If we had to. That was the question. That was the guy. That was the guy. All right. One one final question here, because I know on. you've got to be on your way. This Thank comes you. from Adara, Adarsh Atal. At Adarsh Atal. And he says, do you brush in the shower to save some time? Hashtag, I need to know. Brush my teeth? Yeah. Yes, I do. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I do. Yeah, me and too. The, the way my... So my shower, it's not like a shower with a door. It's like a bath with a shower head, right? Yeah. And then that's right next to the sink where my toothbrush is stationed. So I don't even have to really make the effort of, like, taking the toothbrush, toothpaste in with me. I can just sort of walk to the other end of the bath, pick up my toothbrush, and do that. Yeah. It's... Yeah. It's very efficient. Are you are you a similar setup, or are you absolutely? Having to take the yeah. In? No, no, right. no. I'm, yeah, I mean the the toothbrush is on the window ledge beside the sink, which is at the end of the bath. A similar setup to yours, clearly. Sure. Uh, but I I load up before I get in the shower. Load oh, up, really? Okay. Load up the toothbrush. Toothbrush. It's the first thing I do when I get in the shower in the morning is brush my teeth. Great. Yeah. And how long do you brush them for? Um, ages. I don't know. Do you ages? No, yeah. I don't know if I do for ages, but. Long enough, I guess. A minute. You've got good teeth. My, mine are terrible. It won't surprise you to know. Mm. They're always falling out. Something's wrong with them. Something's <laughs> gone wrong. It's an absolute nightmare. The front ones I've got a fake because I got assaulted and they got oh, knocked yes, out. Oh, yes, I remember that. Jesus. Yeah, I yeah, remember. Yeah. yeah, someone gave you a smack in the head. Yeah. So, teeth are trouble for me, but what isn't? What isn't, guys? This is so very I, true. I, I look after them in the shower. Yeah. Um, Pop them on the side, give them a good clean. <laughs> <laughs> you can rinse uh, them off when you turn yeah, the shower. Turn the shower head to like the the thin power jet. You can just 
Exactly. Like one of those uh, uh, things you get in a garage to clean your car. Absolutely. Yeah. That's basically how I'm washed every day. And yeah. another man comes in with a fire hose and showers <laughs> me down. Um, but, yeah, very efficient. I'm trying to think if there's anything else I do. I mean, I guess people could go to the loo in the shower. That would be expedient, wouldn't it? But I don't really do that because I share my house with other people. I feel I would feel guilty about that. Yeah, there's conscientiousness there, James, to you, you that I think is is admirable. Uh, but I don't uh, believe there's a man out there who hasn't. No, I agree. I no, agree. Anyone that, who says that is a lie. Yeah. Um, I. Yeah, that's it, really. You know, I, I, I mean, mean, you I, know, when you, um, I don't know. I mean, I presume this would have happened to you where you play football and then you go into the changing rooms and, you know, there's like eight or ten lads in the showers at the sure. same time. Like, I, I've i never really thought about it in any great detail, but I'm guessing that on the floor of the showers, it must be at least 20% piss at one stage. It, it must be yeah. at that stage, yeah. yeah. Coming uh, straight in off a match in the shower, cold day. Uh, I'll just go for it. No one will notice. Oh, God, I hadn't thought of that at all. Yeah. I'm going to keep my football boots on next time. <laughs> That's why you see players going in uh, for showers wearing uh, sort of flip-flops, mm. which, I have to remind you, are not shoes. Sure, sure. Important, important to... Yeah. A Jaffa cake is not a biscuit. It's a cake. Not getting into that one. Okay, fine. <laughs> right. uh, save it for another podcast. We will indeed. All right, listen, I know you have to shoot off, um, so we will catch you on next week's Arscast Extra. Very um, exciting, yeah. I'll in the meantime, here. enjoy all the football, and uh, we'll, we'll talk to you again then. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye.